So today is one of my favorite Sundays of the year, and the good news is we get to do it twice a year. It's amazing. It is New Members Sunday. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we have a purpose statement here, and it is this, to be a vibrant community, passionately modeling Jesus here in the Magic Valley. And, and what happens on a day like today, where new members profess their faith and people get baptized, is we fulfill that purpose statement. Uh, we are becoming a more vibrant community today. And it's going to be fabulous. I'm really looking forward to it. But before we get there, uh, we need to turn to Scripture. And the Scripture reading this morning is 1 Timothy 6, um, 11 through 16. And today we actually get a two-for-one deal on the Scripture readers. It's pretty sweet. We get Jillian and Rachel view, so you guys can head on up. And what we do here, folks, is we stand and we actually face where the Scripture is read because we believe that the Scriptures uh, tell the greatest story ever told, the story of Jesus. So girls, go ahead when you're ready. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, godliness, faith, endurance, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, girls. You know, I don't know about you, but I find myself to be quite the film buff these days. I love movies, especially the deep ones like action movies. I'm a huge fan of those. Um, and one of the things I love about action movies is there tends to be these moments where there these impromptu speeches happen, if you know what I'm talking about, where suddenly somebody in the middle of the film stands up and they give these epic speeches that kind of bring chills to you. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Like the movie Gladiator, if you're big Gladiator fans here at all with Russell Crowe, right? Like he stands up and he says, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legion's loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. And we all said, amen. At least that's how I feel. I don't know, maybe it really gets to me. I, I, I love it. And, and then there's this other speech. Uh, how many of you have seen Independence Day? Yeah, it's an awesome film. And there's this moment it's at the end of the film, and it's like the last stand between the humans and the aliens, and no one knows what's going to happen. And suddenly, the, the President of the United States stands up and gives the most epic speech of any film ever. I testify to this. This is, and here's the end of the speech. Are you ready for this? And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but it is the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We are going to live on. We're going to survive. Today we celebrate our... Does anyone else have chills right now, or is it just me? You know, these speeches, they're meant to inspire. Like, that's what they're here for. 
They're meant to encourage. They're, they're meant to reignite something within the listeners, right? That let them know that they can keep going, that they can make a difference. And you see, the passage this morning that we just read is one of those speeches. It's what it is. Maybe we need to hear it in the president's voice from Independence Day. I don't know. But it's one of those speeches. You see, Paul is writing this uh, passage straight to his friend. His friend and upcoming leader in the church, his name's Timothy. And Timothy needed a speech. He needed one desperately. He was to become a leader in this small, fledgling, yet exploding church. And he had a lot going against him. And he had two big things. Timothy was not Jewish, which was a big deal in this day in the church. Um, if you wanted credibility, being Jewish helped certainly a lot. And the second was maybe even a greater disadvantage, is that Timothy was young. In this time period, the older you were, the more wise you were. At least it was seen that way, and hopefully we feel a little bit like that today. I don't know. But to be young like Timothy was a tremendous disadvantage in the day. And so Paul, his friend and mentor, writes him a letter, and part of the letter, 1 Timothy, and, he said, and it, basically the letter admonishes Timothy. Timothy, go on, pursue Jesus. Timothy, keep going. Fight for the faith. Run from anything that will distract you, Timothy. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Timothy, remember. Remember, 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 remember when you stood in front of your church community and you declared with your lips the good confession. And when you remember that, let that push you forward in faith onto where God wants you next. Remember that, Timothy. Remember your good confession. And then it's as if Paul is like, you know, I'm not sure Timothy's on the same page as me. And he kind of goes into it. And he says, do you remember the confession that Jesus gave to Pilate? Do you guys remember that confession? Do you remember this? Are we on the same page? Here, check out John 18. Here, listen to this. Paul then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish authorities. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, says Pilate. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate says, what is truth? And with this, he goes outside to the Jews gathered there, and he said, I find no basis for charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release who? The king of the Jews. Did you catch the confession? Did you catch it? Jesus is king. That's the confession. The great, the good confession is that Jesus is king. That, that Jesus is the king of a kingdom like we've never seen before. Jesus is king. And you see, for Timothy, Timothy's confession was that he placed all his loyalty and all his trust not in the Caesars of the day, not in himself, not in anything, but this king, Jesus. 
And folks, that's what we're here to witness today. Amen? We are here to witness 35 adults and teens and kids making the good confession that Jesus is King, that Jesus is Lord. And as Paul, as Paul sought to admonish Timothy to keep going, to flee from sin, to remember the good confession, today we use Paul's words for you, new members. Keep going. Flee from sin. Remember the good confession. And for those of us this morning that maybe feel like spectators, maybe this moment here today for you is the same thing. Keep going. Flee from sin. Keep the good confession. And so just a minute here, we're going to hear these 35 people stand and they're going to profess their faith in front of all of us. Some for the first time. And you know, one of the themes we've noticed in this group is really one thing, and that is others, other people in these folks' lives have made a huge dent in their lives. They've helped them, propel them into the faith in ways that they never would have without others. And there's really two ways that we noticed that in this group. We, we noticed that, that people at home made a huge difference for these people. The people at home did. And we also notice, secondly, that the people here in this community make a huge difference on their lives. And so what we're going to do here for a minute is I'm going to invite Melanie and Brett up, and they're going to talk just a little bit more about this. So head on up, guys. Good morning. My name is Melanie, and I'm really glad you guys are all here today on this special day to celebrate. And Brett and I are both going to talk about the, the big impact that the church and our families in our home have on our faith. It's the light of the church and the heart of the home that brings that big impact on our faith. Um, each, each of you make a difference. Each of you play a significant role here in the church. In fact, um, you are the church. Yes, this is a building and a place where we come and we get to do things, um, but the reality is that we were all created in the image of God in, with different gifts and personalities, um, experiences in life that we all play a role. We use those, God uses those to play a role in each other's lives. I'm super passionate about the church and the church matters to me because it's a place where I get to help people. And in return, people help me um, win at what really, really matters in life. It's a place where we get to actually sit down and learn and worship and think and serve and celebrate. And we're going to see that afterwards. We're going to celebrate well. We did these awesome balloons, and we're going to get root beer floats to celebrate afterwards. But before we can believe and understand these concepts like grace and hope and forgiveness, each of us need a place where we connect with people who are the church. It may be as simple as coffee and donuts afterwards or a, or a friendly greet at the door when you walked in this morning. It could be those awesome volunteers who took your babies and your preschoolers and your elementary and your youth kids into another place where they can learn about Jesus at their level. It can be, for an elementary student, playing gogaball. How many of you know what gogaball is around here? It's pretty awesome. It's that brown 
wood octagon thing that's out on the playground. And the awesome thing is that those kids go and play with their small group leaders and their friends. And as parents, if you have one of those kids, your kids get mad at you because you picked them up too soon and you have to leave church. No matter what your age is, young, old, no matter if you've been here for a really long time or you're brand new, you play a significant role here. One of my favorite authors um, said um, why church matters, this is how he put it, because you, you may be the best chance someone will have a, fi to a place, find a place to belong or where a relationship with Jesus can foster. Watch this video on four elementary age kids, how they share why church matters to them. My earliest memory is when I went to church in the old building when I was four or five years old. Kids choir. By singing the songs, it made me believe more in Jesus. We always sang about how God helped us in our hard times. Eating donuts after a service. My most fun memory of church is the Harvest Festival. The Harvest Festival. It showed that God did all this. He made everything, so without him, I wouldn't be here. My most fun memory is when we went to um, Roaring Springs and I got to hang out with all my church friends. Um, taking this class, it taught me more about God and what he did for my life. Seeing everyone's faces. Kids Connection, because it's just so fun and we get to hang, hang with our friends in Bible study. Just learning about God and having a bunch of friends that care about me. I'm Brett Vriesman. I'm the director of youth ministry here at Twin Falls Reformed Church. And it is amazing the impact that the church has on the kids that are coming up here. But equally important is the role that many of you serve as parents, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, grandparents to these, to these kids and students once they, they go home. Everyone's got a unique story of how they come to know Jesus. But one of the, the interweaving themes I saw within the students in taking the Connections class this year was the importance their family played on their faith. For some it was a grandparent, for some it was their parents, but there was something that they modeled in every single day, everyday life, that uh, made a difference in their, in their faith. I can't stress how critical and impactful it is for parents and siblings and uncles, aunts, grandparents, to put Jesus and your faith in him as the focal point of your lives. The importance of praying with our kids, of doing our daily devotions, of talking about what the kids learned at Sunday school, of reading the Bible with them. More importantly, we can't underestimate the power of our children seeing us put our trust in God on a daily basis. All of those habits, uh, when we do those, 
sow and grow the, the seeds of an authentic faith in Jesus. Proverbs 22.6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. When we introduce authentic faith in our homes at a young age, the likelihood of our children uh, leaving the faith goes down exponentially. And sure, there's going to be some bumps and bruises and rebellion along the way probably, but ultimately they're going to have that foundation, those values and beliefs etched in their DNA of who they are. I thought it'd be great for you to see just a little bit of how the, the, the kids that were in my Connections class, how their family impacted their faith. When I was little, they helped me like read through the Bible and they taught me what it meant to be a Christian. But my dad always reads the Bible like on the couch before he goes to bed and stuff. My mom's basically been the one who's been taking me to um, church, but I mean my dad's been helping too. He's taught me to be a good person too. They always pray for other people. Like if a person's struggling or something, like or a friend or a neighbor, they always say like help us to bring them to church sometimes and just do stuff with them, so they're always caring for other people and stuff. They're always there when I need them. Um, they're just someone I can lean back on. My mom actually gave me her student Bible. It always makes me like pay attention and really like learn and uh, what the pastor's talking about and stuff. They've been helping me understand and know how to be a better Christian than I was when I was younger. Sometimes they'd have like Bible verses and stuff, like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and stuff like that. And so it's always like through the house. My grandma used to read my children's Bible with me every once in a while. My mom's going to school for to become a pastor and my dad is helping her. Even when we can't go somewhere, um, they still teach me and my siblings to grow up loving God. Wow. What an impact that when the church and family come together to help raise these, these students and children, it, it's amazing. The, the, the kids that are about to stand in front of you are living proof that um, what you guys do here for them matters and what you guys do at home for them truly matters. Um, as you've already heard this morning from our kids, uh, this place and, and home matters. Uh, others truly matter in, in their lives, and they've made a huge impact. And that's actually true of our adults as well. Uh, the same, it's a, really, it's interesting because it's the same story in some sense. The people at home and the people of the church made a huge difference on our adults' faith. And uh, we wanted to just share one of those stories with you, um, John Graham. So we'll invite John up. You can welcome John up, please, and he'll share his story. When Pastor Austin asked me to do this, uh, first thought was, why me? Uh, I haven't had a burning bush experience, haven't done any amazing things in my life, but when he explained to me just the idea of telling my story, I said, I can do that. There are three people that I definitely would like to share. 
how they influence my faith journey. My youth pastor, my grandmother, and the third one, there's a little bit of a twist to it, so I'm not going to tell you the name. Um, maybe that'll keep your attention for a little bit. Who knows? Cliffhanger stuff. Full disclosure, uh, when I traveled to Ireland several years ago, kissed the Blarney Stone, so if I talk a little bit more than I should today, it's not completely my fault. Church has always been a part of my life. Uh, I don't have one defining moment when I became a Christian. My parents baptized me as an infant in Brooklyn. They accepted Christ for me at that time. I was raised Methodist, Presbyterian, and so as we had today, I had the opportunity to affirm my faith when I was in Hawaii as a youth. My parents believed. We went to church on a regular basis, but we didn't talk about our faith. All of that changed when I moved to Boise to live with my grandparents. When I was asked who influenced me, the first person that came to mind was my youth pastor, Reverend Don Baird. We, he also did the youth group, and pretty much I came to play volleyball, socialize, some of those activities. But the price of admission for that were the questions that he asked. And these questions would make me think a little bit about my faith. I can remember having multiple conversations with him about why it wasn't just good enough to be a good person. I believed in God, believed in Jesus' sacrifice for salvation, but I don't think I really understood it. At least I didn't understand my need for that. Now, Reverend Baird, he set me on a path of wanting to learn the scriptures, set me on a path of wanting to have discussions with other Christians, and he set me on a path of finding my favorite Christian author, C.S. Lewis. He has a lot of adult books like the screw tape letters and things of that nature, but what really made an impact on me was the Chronicles of Narnia. I probably read that to over 500 students in Boise and Twin Falls as I was an elementary teacher. I've read it to my own kids. I'm really looking forward to reading it to my grandkids. If you haven't read it, I encourage you, whether you're five or 105, to read that. If I had to pick one person who really influenced my faith journey, would be my grandmother, Marjorie Davis Tate. Now my grandmother, her favorite color was purple, so that's why I'm wearing that today. Normally outside of school, I don't always try to put on a tie, but if my grandmother were here today, she would have insisted, so this tie is for her. Now, Grandma insisted on going to church every week. Somehow my grandpa, who uh, ran a dairy, uh, he got a pass often on Sundays to go golfing. Didn't understand that one. But it was, it's much more than going to church. For my grandmother, it was her faith. Let's see if I can get through this better this time. Um, she lost her daughter, my mother, to multiple sclerosis when I was not even yet a teenager. But I never heard her complain about that. I never heard her complain about any of the challenges that life brings us. Faith 
wasn't something that you had. It was something that you did for my grandmother. One of, one of those days, I, I think she felt I needed a spiritual push. She told me a story when she was young and had the flu. Now, back in those days, having the flu was pretty dangerous. A lot of people passed away of the flu. She told me how she could vividly remember that Jesus came, sat on the foot of her bed, and he just stayed there. He comforted her until her fever finally broke. And that's a story that I'll carry with me all my life. As I said, faith wasn't just something you had. It was what you do. And for her, that meant service. When I graduated from the University of Idaho, I was accepted law school. I'd finished my student teaching, and if there are any lawyers here, I apologize, but my grandmother was furious that I might go to law school. She told me, you know, it's okay for your cousin, it's okay for others, but if you can't be a minister, the best thing you can be is a teacher. Because teachers, teaching is a calling. It's a calling to serve others. Needless to say, I didn't register for law school. Now, as, as I said earlier, the third person kind of comes with a twist. That's because Anna Catherine Housel, she's a bit younger than my grandmother, younger than my youth pastor. Matter of fact, she's just turned six years old. And Anna is the reason that I'm here this morning. See, as our, our kids were growing into the teenage years, we switched churches, a lot of reasons, but primarily we wanted to find a good spiritual place for them. When we became empty nesters and moved geographically within the area, and maybe just life stuff, found that we needed uh, to find a home church. I thought that wouldn't be that hard. I knew what we were looking for. Well, it's a lot harder than you would think. Found several churches that we attended off and on for a while, but kind of like the Goldilocks, didn't find one that felt just right. Unfortunately, there was a time didn't even find a church, and on Sundays, I wasn't there. About that time, Anna talked to her mother and she asked a question. Mom, why doesn't Papa go to church on Sunday like we do? Well, when I heard that comment, it just went straight to my heart. Immediately, I went out looking again. One of the first places I stopped was here at TFRC. And after about three visits or so last spring, I could proudly call my daughter and tell her I had found a home, and she had Anna to thank for it. I brought this Bible today for a reason. It's the one that my grandmother gave my mother, 1949, a couple years ago, when she was a youth. It's also the Bible that I took when I had a chance to tour the Holy Land so that in my way, I could bring my grandmother to there, a place that she would have loved to travel. And it's the Bible. Sorry, I thought I could do this real well. Um, it's the Bible that I plan on giving my granddaughter 
from her grand or from my grandmother when she turns 20. I want to thank Pastor Austin for inviting me to do this today. I want to thank you guys for uh, letting me ramble on a little bit. Because of this is a special day for me to be part of this church family. It's even more special to be able to honor three people that truly made a difference in my spiritual life. And because of them today, I can, I can testify. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and through the Holy Spirit, he'll guide me, protect me all the days of my life. Thank you. Even your kids and your grandkids can shape your faith. It's an amazing story. It's a great story. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for each of the people that have just professed their faith to you, perhaps for the first time or uh, just once again, God. And God, we pray that as they enter this community in a deeper, more meaningful way, God, that they make this community vibrant that they make it a community that looks just a little bit more like Jesus, that they make it a community that can go out into the world and make a dent in the darkness and change the magic valley. God, we are thankful for these folks and we're thankful for what our church now looks like today because it doesn't look the same. And we pray a blessing on them, that the spirit be on them for every day of their life. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.